The word that I have stirring in me is a little different than what I sometimes uh, often do. Uh, I know that it will be an encouragement for you. But, um, but as I said, it's, it's a little different. I want to talk to you about God's dream for America. God is a dreamer. And some of you, you've heard me, you've read some of the posts. Probably some of you have read my book on uh, dreams, not night dreams, but hopes and dreams. I wrote a book called Dream, and um, I haven't applied it so much to God as I have us teaching people the importance of them dreaming and uh, allowing God to give them his vision and heart for whatever. But today I felt like um, bringing a word about that and turning it toward him. So let's start by just saying God really is a dreamer. When he first began speaking to me along these lines, it was frankly surprising to me. I went on a prayer we, uh, retreat just with myself and God several years ago. And during the um, week, actually the first part of the week, CC handed, had handed me a, a DVD on my way out the door and said, I feel like the Lord wants you to watch this while you're gone. A movie called The Ultimate Gift. And in this movie, a very wealthy man worth billions of dollars was trying to decide, he, he, he was dying with cancer and um, he was trying to decide where to leave his money. And he realized that most of his family members were uh, just not fit for it. They, they, they would waste it. But he did have one grandson that he felt like could, uh, could handle the money and would do a good job, but not in his current condition. So this man uh, videoed 10, I think it was, 10 clips to be shown to this young man after his death. Each video was a test. If he passed all the tests, he got the money. <clears throat> Excuse me. He agreed to do it, not because he had any respect for his grandfather or the, the situation. He agreed to do it because he wanted the money, but the tests were designed to change him. Very challenging tests, very thought out. And so uh, over a period of time, Every so often, he would watch another one after he passed the previous one, and then he would go to work on that. Well, by the time he had made it through two or three or four of these, he was beginning to change. And, uh, but by the time he got toward the end, he was now, uh, this of course took months. This was not a day or two at a time, each test. This was a year or so of his life, maybe longer. 
But by the time he got toward the end, uh, his grandfather, through the video, said to him, if you're still watching this, that means you have passed the test and you, you're becoming the man you need to be. So this so impacted me that it's hard, sometimes it's hard to talk about it, but he looked at me and said, now it's time for you to learn to dream. And I was blown away, I thought. A test of dreaming, learning to dream. And if you haven't watched it, uh, do yourself a favor and watch The Ultimate Gift. But as I spent time with the Lord that week, I, of course, was just asking the Lord, you know, why did you want me to watch this? And what are you trying to say to me? And spent many, many hours just thinking, praying, walking, sitting in front of the fire, sitting by a stream, Colorado, just, just thinking, talking to God in my heart. And one day toward the end, he said to me, get your notepad. I want you to dream for a while. And it was, it was a, a meaningful day. I, I wrote down dreams, processed about myself, my family, my kids, my future grandkids, uh, the calling God had for me. The, uh, ultimately, it got to the nation. What, what would I dream for America? Maybe I shouldn't have tried this. I'm moving into a very deep part of who I am. This is what I live for. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I hate to do that in the mic, but you can suffer with me. But he surprised me, you know, after this uh, time of dreaming, he surprised me. He said, you know, I want you to listen to, to me dream for a while. And that's probably the first time in my life that I had ever thought of God as a dreamer. I, I didn't really know at first whether or not to believe that to believe this was really the Lord. Is this just me conjuring this up? I mean, God's not a dreamer. He's just a doer. The more I thought about it, and the more I thought about what d dreams are, they are hopes for the future. They are plans. What we have imagined and planned and hoped for in the future, yet unfulfilled, they're dreams. And I realized he is a dreamer. And so I listened with my thoughts. It's not like God came in the room and spoke audibly to me for an hour or two. Thoughts just began to flow into me about the world, 
the nation, the harvest, people, things that were so off that needed to be corrected and healed. And so I listened and I felt like that day the Lord took me to a deeper place with him. Since that time, I have I've done much thinking. I wrote a book about dreaming with God. And um, it's just changed my life, my journey. God, being the almighty that he is, the creator that he is. Could have pretty much anything he wanted. I don't know what kind of toys he has out there, but I imagine they're pretty incredible. But the one thing he didn't have was family. It's just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Had lots of angels. Billions, maybe. Had anything he wanted, all the servants he needed, but he didn't have family. So in Genesis, he set out to create his dream. First, he worked on our home. For six days, he made this incredible planet what it is. Nature, the laws of nature, the beauty of nature, the provision from nature, the trees, the plants, the rain, the sky, the lights, the moon. He got it all ready in six days and on the sixth five days, and on the sixth day, he created us. This was different. Rather than speaking into existence what he was doing, he came to earth and with his own hands began to shape a different creation. The more that he worked, the more the angels probably were shocked, realizing he was making an image of himself. When he finished that, he breathed into them his very life, his spirit, his nature. And a part of that was his dreaming nature. The ability to imagine, the ability to think, to plan. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. We can't help it. He put his dreaming nature inside of us. Whether it's a small child dreaming of being like mom and dad, a teenager fantasizing about changing the world, 
or an adult planning their future. We are all dreamers. We just don't think about it that way. Some internal force compels us to think about the future. Tonight's get together, the trip we're planning next week, the expansion. Regardless of the theme, we are always, we are wired to do this. We are always thinking about our tomorrows. We can't help it. Our nature came from him. <clears throat> and our nature is to dream. Our creator is a dreamer, and he placed within us his dreaming nature. Made in his image and likeness, we cannot, we cannot simply function like angels or animals, which do not dream. Angels do as they're told. Animals act based on instinct or mimic their parents. Even animals that seem to think ahead, hoarding food for the winter, building a home, flying south for the winter, they are not planning, they are instincting. On the other hand, when we do those sorts of things, we are releasing our godlike nature. We are planning, we are imagining, envisioning the future. This means the animal world has strict preset limitations as to what they can and cannot become or do. Not us. Through the power of imagination and creativity, God has gifted humans with almost unlimited ability and potential. Everything you see around you came from the dirt under Adam's feet and the plants around him and the laws in the atmosphere and in the, on the planet. He didn't know there was an airplane under his feet. We manage, we steward the earth, its resources. We grow and maximize our gifts and talents, shaping and molding our futures. We build and invent by discovering, harnessing, utilizing the laws of physics and science. We mass produce materials and reshape Earth's elements into steel, concrete, rubber, other usable products. We do this through dreaming. Someone imagines and thinks about it, comes up with an idea, and it unlocks creativity in them. It surprised me when I found out that the words to create and the word for dream or imagine or plan are the same Hebrew, Hebrew word. Adam yet sared, and then he yot sard. That's the way he made us. We dream, we plan, we imagine. We look into the future and we see it. 
That releases creative power in us and we produce it. That's the way he made you. I love the story of Monty Roberts. Monty Roberts was the son of an itinerant horse trainer who worked hard training horses at farms, stables, ranches. His high school career was continually interrupted because of this. As a senior, he was asked to write a paper describing his goal, what he wanted to do when he grew up. Monty wrote a lengthy paper describing his goal of one day owning a magnificent horse ranch. He drew a diagram of the 200-acre dream ranch detailing the location of the buildings, stables, track, 4,000 square foot house. Put all of his heart into this project. A few days later, Monty received the paper back from his teacher with a large red F. Upon being asked the reason, the teacher responded, this is an unrealistic dream for a boy like you. You have no resources, money. You have to buy the land, breeding stock, pay stud fees, among other things. There is no way you could ever do this. If you will rewrite the paper with a more realistic goal, I'll reconsider your grade. Monty thought about it for a week. Finally, he turned in the same paper, making no changes at all, and informed his dream-stealing teacher, you can keep the F, I'll keep my dream. He now owns that 200-acre ranch and has his high school paper framed over the fireplace. There was a dream stealer in God's garden, his plan. He determined to interrupt God's dream of family, and he succeeded temporarily, taking the family and authority over their home, the earth. God, of course, made an announcement immediately. I'm going to paraphrase it, but he said, I'm going to have my dream.
and I'm going to deal with the dream stealer. I'm going to crush his headship, and I'm going to redeem my family. And so he sent his son. to recapture the dream. He incarnated himself. The dream was important enough. The dream for family was important enough that he was willing to become one of them to make them once again part of him. So he joined himself with the human race And Jesus, the dreamer, made an announcement in Matthew 16. I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Build, as many of you know, is the word family. It's not a word that means just to build a structure. It's oikos, oikotomeo. It means to create a lineage, to build a household or family. Jesus said, I, I will build. I will establish my family again. I've come to get the family back. I've come to rescue the dream. And then he said, they'll be my ecclesia. He wasn't starting over. He wasn't coming up with a new plan. He was restoring. He was redeeming. He was reviving. When he called us an ecclesia, saying, you'll, you'll be my legislative governmental branch, the governmental branch of my kingdom here on earth, he was saying, I'm going to restore what was lost in Genesis. I'm going to fix the dream. I'm going to grab my family and pull them back into my bosom. I'm going to break the curse of sin and hell and destruction off of them. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to fill them with my nature, my breath again. They will have my life. They'll be able to think with me again. They'll be able to dream with me again. They will think my thoughts. They will have my very spirit in them, thinking through them. I'm going to restore it all. And I'm also restoring dominion to them. They are my ecclesia. They will deliver others. They will represent me. They will represent my authority in my name. They will heal. They will deliver. They will bind and loose. They will re redeem the earth for me. They will be my voice on the planet. They will be my hands and feet. They will be my extension on this colony of the kingdom called earth, just as I intended from the beginning, because the dream stealer will never outwit me. He will never overpower me. He will never permanently displace me. He will never overcome me, and he will never overcome my dream. He will never have my family. Jesus established all of this 
And he's been working towards something for 2,000 years. He's been working the dream. Big family. Strong family. A worthy bride without spot or wrinkle. Fully able to represent him. Understanding his ways. Carrying his heart. Releasing his life. He's been working on this for 2,000 years. Building what he described in Matthew 16. He is fully capable of doing what he said. He will not fail and have a weak, anemic, spineless, defeated, overcome group of people that just hang on and hang on and hang on. And when his mission to create a powerful, spirit-filled, strong, representation in the earth when 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 that mission is really has really failed he'll just come and rescue them this will not happen he has been building his dream he has been taking us from glory to glory he has been bringing forth truth upon truth he's been restoring him his gifts he's been restoring revelation Then a couple hundred years ago, actually three or four hundred years ago, back to when it all started a couple hundred years ago when, when we became a nation. He said, it's time for another phase of my dream. I'm going to need an outpost there on earth that is a bastion of freedom and truth and that follows me, that is willing to partner with me. I'm going to need some reapers. I'm going to need some people that can be strong enough to maintain freedom throughout the earth. I'm going to need thousands of missionaries to go forth and carry the gospel from someplace to all the earth because I'm gearing up now for the the greatest harvest that I have ever reaped. I'm gearing up for the greatest kingdom endeavor I've ever done before. I'm about to bring in millions and then at one point a billion family members. And I have to have things ready for this. So he dreamed of a nation. There are Plenty of people that will mock you if you say that. There are people, surprisingly, there are people in the church that do not believe America was God's idea. As though the God of the universe could just allow things to just sort of, maybe it'll work out. And, oh, there's a place, I'll use them. As though the God of design and creation and omniscience who declares the end from the beginning, 
would have allowed all this to transpire, hoping it worked out. He didn't really have a part in it. He's just hoping and hoping that it all comes together somehow. Can you imagine? What an asinine thought. He put dreams in the heart of some people. Explorers, merchants, get them traveling westward. They put a hunger in a group of people for freedom from an oppressive system where they would never have any hope of prospering, owning land, making their own decisions, worshiping as they pleased, desired, under the control of an evil king who was also the religious leader of the day, telling them how to worship, what to believe. If they were not born into nobility, they would never have anything. But God put a dream in them of freedom. A dream in them that they would be able to dream. Something in them that longed to be somewhere where all this creativity and imagination and ability locked up inside of them, wasted, somewhere where that could grow and expand and, and be implemented. Freedom, liberty. And off they went, but while he was placing that dream in them, he was putting in some a dream to create an outpost for the gospel. Because God was saying, I'm going to need a place that's going to be strong, powerful, free. But I'm going to need a place that, where people there want to partner with me. People that understand who I am and what I want so they can join me in that because that's how I work on earth. I, I need to take my ecclesia to another level. So here they come on boats and they plant crosses on the beach. And while the cynics and the unbelievers cry that this is not true. They can't change history. Facts are facts. As John Adams said, they're stubborn things. And when they planted that cross at Cape Henry in 1607, they prophesied the destiny of America. The gospel will go forth from these shores, not only to this land, but to all the nations of the earth. You can, I don't care if you don't like that. I don't care who doesn't like it. I don't care who doesn't believe it. It's there. It's history. It's a fact. And he was prophesying the destiny of America. And it was God's dream. I need a people. I need a stronghold for the gospel. And I'll have it. And every step of the way, he blessed. Even through the mistakes and some of the horrible things 
that have taken place on this planet. He still kept things moving in the direction of building a church that would send the gospel from these shores to the ends of the earth. He was involved in the plant, in the forming of a nation a couple hundred years after this declaration. Our founders put his name in the, or references to him four times in their Declaration of Independence, partnering with him. They put the phrase appeal to the God of the universe or the sovereign. They knew they were referencing the appeal to heaven that John Locke wrote. We know they were saying this is not just about us. Even the Constitution years later, a few years later after God helped them win their independence was not just about them. They knew this. Ben Franklin, when they couldn't get the Constitution written and they were struggling, well, not one of the most religious men among them, but still said, said we better stop and pray because if, if a sparrow can't fall to the earth without God seeing it, then obviously nations are not going to be formed without him. Let's get some pastors in here and have them pray for us so we can get this Constitution done. And maybe they were being opposed by spiritual forces in the writing of it. Maybe it was because they were fashioning our form of government after Isaiah 33, 22. He's our lawgiver, he's our judge, and he's our king. Legislative, judicial, and executive branch of government. Cynics don't like that. Liberals don't like it. Leftists don't like it. Woke people don't like it. But it's a fact anyway. Because the dreamer was dreaming through them. I must be involved. I must be involved every step of the way. I must give you wisdom. I must write through you. I want to think through you. I'm a dreamer, and whether you know it or not, I'm trying to dream through you. I need a city on a hill, a light to the nations. And even when things would go in wrong directions, he would send awakenings. There would be no America without the first great awakening. There would be no America without the Second Great Awakening. There would have been no civil war that ended slavery without the Second Great Awakening. And I'm a little ahead of myself, but there will be no America without a Third Great Awakening. But the dreaming God who is always centuries, eons ahead of the dream stealer. 
Who knows the end from the beginning? While the evil prevails, he's always behind the scenes in the spirit realm, fashioning, shaping, orchestrating, anointing, empowering, releasing revelation, ideas, dreaming through men and women of how they're going to change this, dreaming what God dreams. He's always doing this. And so when it looks like everything's going to fall apart, he sends an awakening. He raises up voices like the Wesleys and Whitfields. In the next one, he raises up the Finneys. He always has a plan. The dreamer always has a plan. The dreamer always has a plan. The dreamer always has a plan. And the plan is never to lose. And so he shaped and fashioned a nation in spite of her flaws that became the most innovative nation in the history of the world. Tapping into more of God's creative wonders, power, laws, abilities. More inventions to make the world better. More medicine to heal. Power to save the world in a couple of world wars. America. Is there any wonder Satan hates America? He hates all of God's dreams. So the dream stealer rose up again. And he decided, if I don't stop this plan, they're going to evangelize the whole world. This family is going to keep on growing. This church, most of whom I've succeeded in hiding from them who they really are. But revelation is increasing. I see the restoration. I see the work of the dreamer and his dreaming people. And if I don't do something... They're going to take over the earth. They're going, to, they're going to just permeate the earth. So he went on another campaign against America. He launched his myth of separation as though our founders did not want God's input in government. How insane 
And of course, that's not in the Constitution. It's in a letter Jefferson wrote to some people to assure them that the same thing would not happen here as happened in England, where there'd be a state religion and it would be forced on people. And that was the separation he was talking about, not keeping God out of government. So the next time someone tries to pull that on you, just remind them that for the first 100 years of our nation's existence, they had church in the rotunda of the Capitol every Sunday. Just remind them that two days after the man who wrote that letter wrote that letter, he attended a church service in the rotunda of the Capitol. But the dream stealer is a liar. And he's nothing if not cunning. And he began his work of deception. And he succeeded then in defiling some in government who decided to expel God completely, not only from government, but from all the public places, from schools, from government. No praying, no Bible reading. You see, the plan is never what you think it is initially. His plan was what he was seeing if he could do this 50 years down the road when our education system would be a shambles, a joke. When they would really become schools, many, so many of them indoctrination centers. One day, instead of teaching them the alphabet, they'll teach them pornographic dances in kindergarten. If I can get God out of it, if I can remove the salt and light, I can begin to infect, defile, and deceive. And the dream stealer kept it up, and 10 years later, we decided it was the law of the land. We could kill babies in the womb. A few years later, because sin always leads to sin and compromise always leads to compromise. We had something called drug culture born. And though there have been many efforts to stop this, it's unstoppable apart from salvation. There is no freedom from this until God's dream of deliverance and redemption is is ministered because the change has to come here. So now we're watching over 100,000 a year killed with illegal drugs. And a government in charge that doesn't care, that could end it, at least most of it, overnight keep it from flooding into this nation, but they are defiled. The dream stealer has defiled them. They are now deceived. They are demonized. Their lust for power is the greatest and most important thing in their lives. Argue with that all you want. But every true American who faces the fact knows it's true. Then the sexual revolution came along and 
It was unbridled lust and perversion, whatever feels good, do it. Now we have all these things come together and do what they have done. We have a demonized culture. We have an atmosphere ruled by principalities. But the great dreamer has a plan. He sees it. He is not unmoved. He is very moved. He knows that the determination from within and from without to destroy this dream of God is not about them, it's about God's dream. It's about his harvest. It's about a billion soul harvest. It's about a billion family members that don't know their family members yet, but God has written their names from eternity in his book, and he is saying, I will get them. And this war is not for about America, it's about the earth. And the sooner we wake up to that, the better. This is not about America, this is about earth. This is about harvest. This is about people. This is about God's dream. This is not about America. The attack against God in this land is not about America. It's about harvest around the world. It's about destroying this stronghold, this bastion of the gospel that God raised up. It's about ending the plan. It's about stealing the dream. Breaks God's heart, but he is not hopeless. In 2000, he came to me, put his dream in my heart. I wept with him for three and a half hours over this nation. And he said to me, I must have America. For what I'm going to do in the earth, in this hour, I must have America. You and others are going to help me get her back. You can want a, you can want a ministry, you can want a great ministry, you can want to do all kinds of wonderful things. And that Some of it's good and some of it's Self can be pride and arrogance. But I'll tell you right now that everything changes 
when what you desire to do, and it can be the same thing you desired before, but when what you desire to do is now born out of a dream imparted to you from God, and now you're dreaming his dream with him, everything changes. You'll die for that dream if you have to. You'll be burned at the stake for that dream. You'll die on a cross for that dream. You'll be crucified upside down for that dream. They'll let you let them stone you because of that dream or beat you with rods or lashes. You'll sacrifice homes, buildings, possessions to go to another part of the world impoverished where you'll live in a grass hut. You'll do anything for the dream. Because when he puts his dream in you, everything changes. Everything changes. So I'm dreaming with him now about America. They call me a Christian nationalist. Whatever that means. They get the right to define it. It's one of their propagandizing methods. Ignore them. I know God did raise up this nation. Not as a favorite. Not to give us more. Not just to bless Americans. This is a part of the eternal plan. He raised us up as his voice, as a voice for the gospel to the ends of the earth. And he's not finished with that. So I'm dreaming that dream, are you? And I'm not intimidated by the powers of darkness because I know that God is about to trump them with a third great awakening. No pun intended there. He is coming with a third great awakening to redeem and restore. He has never been without an answer. Things were just as bad in America. Wasn't America yet, but things were just as bad here when the first great awakening occurred. They were just as bad when the second great awakening occurred. They were just as bad in the mid-1800s. They were just as bad when Jesus went to the cross. They were just as bad when Pharaoh went after Israel. But I'm here to tell you that, that the dream stealer will never outwit God. Yeah. And so, you know, this... This is an interesting season because you've got people that are, you know, I'm not even talking about unbelievers now. You get people that are in the church that are, they're just complacent, apathetic. It'll be okay. It'll work out. Or just blindly hoping, trying to deny what they see. Some who are just so askew in their definition of sovereignty that God just, whatever he wants to do, he'll do it. He doesn't need us. He doesn't need us. 
Where does that come from? What does he ever do on earth without people? You think he sent a legion of angels and they preached and, and did the first great awakening? No, they helped those who were doing it that are human beings on planet Earth. So you get these people, in the, and you get some that are, they're just happy where they're okay with things as they are. And then you have this remnant that's all fired up. You got a remnant, you got a remnant that's fired up that it doesn't, doesn't know the Lord. They're just fired up because they get it in a natural sense. I have probably more people around the world watching and reading, giving 15 every day than I do in America. We have, good, we have a group, good numbers in America, but we, from what I've been told, have millions around the world that read it. And, and when you say to them, why are you reading this? Why are you doing this? It's about America's. It's two things. Well, the principles are true no matter where you are. But secondly, we get it because we know if America goes under, it's over for all of us. We're all finished. It's tyranny for everybody. And we get it. That's why they translated into Chinese and French and other languages. Because they get it. They understand this is not just about we Americans. It's about the earth. But you've got this group, this remnant that's all fired up now about prayer and decrees and being the ecclesia. Doing what Jesus said. Imagine that. Just doing what he said. Just being who he described in his Matthew 16 dream speech. And you'd think the, the, the you'd think everybody'd be on board, but they're not. So it's gonna require a remnant of dreamers to keep dreaming. Dreaming of harvest here and around the world. Dreaming of campuses on fire with revival. Dreaming of a government that honors God once again. Dreaming of a nation where his word is honored. Dreaming of a nation where they do not have the audacity and foolishness to redefine what he says about the home, marriage, family, gender, Dreaming about a time when children will no longer be manipulated and mutilated. And babies will be safe. Dreaming about a, dreaming about a time when the fatherless will have fathers. And the poor and the homeless will have homes. Because God can bless a nation again. And give us what we need to get this gospel out to the world again. <clears throat> Dreaming of a time when the church looks like the church Jesus described.
the dreamer, the dreamer, is going to have his dream. This harvest is going to be reaped. I know that the nations will continue to rage. I know that evil will become more evil. I realize Jesus said at his return there would be sheep and goat nations. But I also believe the verse where he said his kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. And that there will be more grace than there will be evil. And that every tribe and every tongue will have people there. That he will have a glorious church. A glorious, a glorious, a glory-filled church. Without spot or wrinkle. One that believes the Bible. One that's passionately in love with him. One that follows him fully. One that understands authority. One that's casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, taking the gospel into the ends of the earth with power, with signs and wonders. Understanding, binding and loosing, opening doors, closing doors. Knowing the authority of his name. He's either going to have that or he's a liar. That woke some of you up. He will either have what he said he will have, or he's a liar. He is not a liar. I'm asking you to dream with me. I'm asking you to dream with him. I'm asking you to be steadfast. Immovable, always triumphing. I'm asking you to stay rooted and grounded in his word and what he says. I'm asking you not to be moved by what you see in the news and what you hear. I'm asking you to believe that God is bigger. His spirit is more powerful than the evil in the earth right now. I'm asking you to believe that fire is about to fall from heaven. I'm asking you to believe that the greatest reign of revival, the reign of His Spirit that has ever fallen on planet Earth is about to fall. I'm asking you to believe for signs and wonders, miracles, deliverances. I'm asking you to believe for such power that people that are confused about who they really are, when they come to Jesus, they won't have to go through two years of counseling. Not against that. Do whatever it takes. But I'm asking you to believe for such power that when they hit the floor or pray that prayer, the power of God literally transforms everything about them. I'm asking you to believe that a church is being raised up that is without fear, that is bold, that walks in love, that is a serving people, but that is also a people that understands their authority, that is ready to lay its life down for a cause. But if they live, as long as they live, it's for the cause. 
I'm asking you to believe that he is who he says he is, can do what he says he can do. It's never without a plan. Always wins in the end. And I'm asking you to stand in your faith, because you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe this. Stand in your faith that God raised up America. That this is his dream for his purposes. And that he will restore this dream because his word says he can do it and his prophets are saying he'll do it. And his desire is always to do it. And I'm going to finish with this. Sprint to my car. I'm asking you to dream not only human dreams, God dreams. If you're a money maker, dream of millions to put in the kingdom. How many souls can I, can I pave the way for with what he gave me to get them to heaven? Whatever you do, whoever you are, whatever he's given you, please put God into the dreaming process. Come on up, Rachel. Let's pray. Stand with me if you would, please. Father, you are the great dreamer. And I say to those listening to me now, what you said to me through a movie, I want to teach you how to dream. I want to teach you how to dream with me. I want to give you my dreams, my hopes and plans, and what I have envisioned for the future. I pray, Lord, for your people around the world who are standing in this hour, those who have bought into the harvest, those who believe the outpouring is coming, those who believe you have a plan that the dream stealer will not win, and that your victory is not just defined it's not defined by rescuing an anemic people. Your dream is defined by an incredible, the largest ever, amazing harvest around the world. And that while dictators and evil people plot against you, we ask you, Almighty God, for Psalm 2. We decree it with you that you have anointed your son and given him the nations of the earth. 
You, you spoke over those that plan against you and rage against you. And you said you have two choices. You will either kiss the son or you will, you will receive the rod of my punishment. And Lord, we dare to prophesy that this is the hour and this is the day and this is the season in time for the greatest manifestation of that in history, that the rod of your authority is going to be released as never before, and yet your love and your kiss will be released as never before. And that every stronghold and every system that opposes you will fail, and the dream stealer will not win. The church will be built, the family will be restored and gathered to you. This will be a family that understands the authority of the name of Jesus. This will be a family that understands the kingdom and the authority of the kingdom and how to bind and lose, stop demonic powers. This will be a, 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 a family that preaches with power. This will be a family that heals. This will be a family that builds. This will be a dreaming family, dreaming the dream of heaven. This family will be unstoppable. And all that you have planned for America will be fulfilled. The evil one will not succeed. The harvest is ripe will be reaped. Personal deliverances and corporate deliverance will come. Fire will fall and the kingdom will expand. We decree this in your holy name. Amen.